Hello everyone, I'm Tim Sexton, English teacher since 2005, polyglot, world traveler, and writer of dictionaries for students of English. Welcome or welcome back to English with Tim, the podcast for B1 to C1 English students who want to fill the gaps in their vocabulary, improve their grammar, know English in detail, and learn how to learn. Some weeks ago in episode one, I talked about how students don't know why they make mistakes in grammar. I said that students often think that they make grammar mistakes because of something that happens at the moment of output, when they speak or write. I explained that this idea is partly correct, but that mistakes often have deeper causes, that our understanding of input, the speech that we hear, and the text that we read, influences how many and what mistakes we make when it comes time to speak or write. When I started writing this episode, episode 4 on Friday, my plan was to talk about the problems that happen at the moment of speaking or writing. I thought, well, I already talked about input, so now it's time to take the next step and talk about output. I wrote about different causes for mistakes in output and how to solve them. At one point, I made the point that students do not pay attention to the small details of speech, small words like prepositions and articles. In order to demonstrate this fact, I wrote about my experience as a teacher using dictations. Dictations are exercises in which a teacher speaks and students try to reproduce what the teacher said, either by writing it down or, less commonly, by saying it back to the teacher. As I wrote more and more about dictations, I understood that they were such a rich source of information about students' language knowledge that I decided to make one whole episode about them. So here it is, episode 4, about dictations and what they teach us about how students' brains work. Dictations are pretty old-fashioned, and some of my teacher friends have asked me why I still use them at all. The answer is that dictations are a very controlled way for teachers to get information on how students think, what they understand about language and what they don't, which of their skills is developed and which is not. I will show you what I mean by giving you two dictations right now. You can either try to repeat them in speech or try to write them down. Here's the first dictation. I'll read it three times with a short pause between each reading. Umpa zub zuj prilk sparv quarup smurgu. Umpa zab zuj prilk sparv quarup smurgu. Umpa zab zuj prilk sparv quarup smurgu. So, in this strange dictation, the recording was perfectly clear. All of the sounds in the dictation exist in English, and it is only ten syllables long. The speaker also spoke slowly. Nonetheless, it was probably very difficult for you to complete the task, because the dictation is in a language you don't understand, and it doesn't exist, so the only mental abilities that you have to help you are your attention and your ability to memorize sounds. None of what you heard has any meaning, and indeed, you cannot tell which words are nouns, verbs, or other parts of speech. This shows that our ability to hear and remember sounds alone is not enough for us to successfully remember strings of words. So, let's do the second dictation. I'll read it three times with a short pause. You still going out with a girl from work Saturday? You still going out with the girl from work Saturday? You still going out with a girl from work Saturday? This dictation was in a language you can understand, but it was longer. 
13 syllables. The speaker also spoke more quickly, and there was noise at two particular moments in the recording, which completely prevented you from hearing what the speaker was saying. However, you heard the ing form of go, going, which is used in the present continuous, so you probably were able to guess that the first word was are. Also, you could have guessed that what was said during the, this second missing part was this, or maybe on, because you hopefully remember that we use the preposition on with days of the week. So the complete dictation would be, are you still going out with the girl from work on Saturday, or maybe this Saturday? Um, if you were able to guess which words needed to be at those noisy parts, you can see that our ability to understand and reproduce what we hear depends not just on sound, but also on our knowledge of grammar and vocabulary. And of course, if your knowledge of grammar were much weaker, it would be much harder to guess what either of those words were and to understand the meaning of the sentence. These two dictations are extreme examples, and I chose them to show what happens when we can rely only on our sense of hearing or only on our knowledge of grammar and vocabulary. The conclusion is pretty obvious, that our ability to hear sounds and our knowledge of grammar and vocabulary help each other. When it's hard to hear part of someone's speech because of noise or bad pronunciation, we can use our knowledge of grammar and vocabulary to fill the gap. On the other hand, it is much harder to compensate for poor knowledge of grammar and vocabulary with good hearing. In the best case, we will correctly hear and repeat a word or phrase that we don't know, and then find out what it means later. I have some other observations about what we can learn from dictations. The first is that people often have very strong expectations about what they have heard. Sometimes the expectations are so strong that students write a sentence with a mistake in it, even though they have just heard the correct version read slowly three different times. Here are some examples, first, of dictations I've given in the classroom, and then of what some students wrote down. So, dictation. You can't smoke here. Now, in a real class, I would have read that a little bit faster, but still, you can't smoke here. What students write down sometimes you can't to smoke here. So the student added the word to, which we do not use after modal verbs. We don't say can to or should to. Can't smoke is correct. Can't to smoke is incorrect, and it sounds bad. Here's another example of a dictation I've used. I'm listening to the baseball game on the radio. What some students write, I'm listening the baseball game on the radio. In this case, the student left out the word to, Listen to the radio is correct. Listen the radio is incorrect. And, again, it sounds bad. We listen to things. Listen to the radio. Listen to advice. Listen to a friend. Listen to the birds, etc. Listen to. Um, a final example of a dictation I have used. Sometimes I work on Saturdays. What students sometimes write. Sometimes I work in Saturdays. So we need to use the preposition on with days, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, etc. Um, it is a mistake to say in Monday, and it sounds kind of bad. I don't here also want to say that all mistakes sound really bad, and you know, because that makes people afraid to speak because they're afraid of sounding bad. Um, some mistakes do sound worse than others, and that's kind of why I chose those three examples, is because they kind of annoy me a little bit. Um, so, 
How do students react to these short, simple dictations? So, in fact, only a small number of people writes the sentence in exactly the way that I said it after just the first listen. Then you have a very small number of people who just continues to write the sentence incorrectly even after listening to it several times. This usually means that the dictation is too hard for the student's level, although it could also be that the person simply has extremely strong expectations that cannot be broken by listening. could mean the person is um, a bit stubborn, in other words, in this um, part of their life. Um, And the last group. So most people need to listen several times to catch the difference between what I in fact said and what they expected to hear. When they do hear the difference, most of them are pretty surprised. They say, really? I'm supposed to say listen to the radio? It's something uh, absolutely new for them. Another funny thing that happens is that some students write down a wrong answer. For example, they write, listen the radio. Afterwards, I ask them why they wrote that particular wrong answer. They then tell me that they in fact correctly heard listen to the radio, but they felt confused because they thought that the incorrect listen the radio was the right answer, so they wrote down the wrong answer. Um, This happens surprisingly often, and it reminds me of a very important point, that the goal of dictations is not for the students to write correct answers, but instead for the teacher to get information about the way each student thinks, to see what knowledge they would need to do it correctly, and then give them that knowledge and practice with it. Of course, it's great when students give the right answers, but I need to remind myself as a teacher to give clear instructions before doing a dictation. Write down what you in fact hear, not what you think the teacher wants you to write. So, um, how did how students react to dictations is one question. Another related question is, why do students make mistakes in these short, simple dictations that I read three times? How could they make mistakes in such a controlled situation? So, dictations are about attention. So, in order to answer those two questions, I need to ask another two questions. First, does dictated speech have some features that cause students to make mistakes when they try to reproduce it? Second, what are the characteristics of our listening attention? So, two features of dictated speech come to mind that could cause students to make mistakes. You might say that I spoke fast during the dictation so that even though students were paying attention, the attention was not enough to hear everything in enough detail to properly reproduce what they heard. Similarly, you could say that small words like prepositions and articles have weak stress. We pronounce them quickly and quietly, so it's hard to hear them. These are both possible, but our attention is also a very important important factor in how well we understand what we hear. Our attention has four different characteristics that we need to talk about. The first is that our listening attention is not either on or off. It has different intensities. The second feature of our listening attention is that it is selective. We choose which parts of what we listen to receive intense attention, which parts receive weaker attention, and at which parts we simply turn off our attention completely. Normally, this process of selecting the intensity of our attention happens automatically. We pay closer attention to larger, longer words. There are two reasons we pay attention to larger, longer words. The first is that the longer a word is, the more the time, the more time the speaker needs to say the word, which also means we have more time to recognize which word was said and then decode or understand it. 
It's also true that longer words are pronounced louder, which makes them easier to decode or understand than words which are pronounced quietly. Finally, longer words are more likely to be verbs, nouns, adverbs, or adjectives. This means that they usually form the main meaning of what a speaker is trying to tell us. So actually, if we're going to choose which words should receive more of our attention, generally these longer, louder words are usually a good choice. But not always. So the third feature of our attention is that we can learn to control its intensity. We can learn to shift our attention away from larger words and onto shorter ones like in, at, some, can, and for. It takes work, but it can be done. The fourth characteristic of our attention is that it is often weaker than other features of our brains or minds. Suppose, for example, that we successfully pay close attention to small words in someone's speech, and also that we easily recognize all of the different sounds the speaker makes. Even if both of these are true, another part of our mind can still tell us, wait, what your ears told you is a mistake because it doesn't match what I expected. You heard incorrectly. This reaction usually happens on a level that is not completely conscious. In other words, we need to learn to give priority to what our ears tell us and not what our minds tell us we should expect. So, what do I want to say with all of this? I want to say that if we hear things incorrectly, in controlled situations, where we listen to the same sentence several times and know that we need to be paying close attention then we will definitely miss important details of what we hear when we are listening to continuous speech and no one has told us to pay attention. A lot of what I've told you about dictations is also helpful for understanding what causes us to miss important details of what we've read. Don't worry, though, I will keep this short. When we read, our eyes make three kinds of movements, fixations, saccades, and regressions. Saccades happen when the eyes jump forward to the next word or group of words on the page. Regressions happen when our eyes move back to a place earlier on the page, usually to check or correct our understanding. Fixations happen when our eyes stop moving and focus on a particular place on a page. Fixations on bigger words are usually longer. In other words, we pay more attention to them, which leads to the same problems that we have when listening. Not only do we miss details of what we are reading, we also don't know that we are missing details of what we are reading. And so we continue to miss lots of details and think that everything is fine. So that's all I have for this week. Thank you for listening, and please leave your thoughts in the commentaries below. I'll see you next Monday.